Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome, everybody, to The Psychologists Are In. I am Maggie Lawson, and we are so excited about this podcast. I played Juliette O'Hara on the show for eight years, and we are thrilled to go back and relive this wild, wonderful, beautiful, crazy, funny adventure that we all got to have together. In this episode, it's just you and me, Tim. We talk all about how we got our roles on Psych, how we became the best of friends, and we focus on season one, episode three, Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. Hey, Maggie. Hey, this is our podcast talking about Psych, rewatching Psych, but really just us telling our fun stories about Psych while we also rewatch episodes for fun. I love both those things or all those things. Love all those things. Love each other, which is also super cool. We're going to start talking with Speak Now or Forever Hold hold Your Peace. peace. But the joke here is how peace is spelled. Correct. P-I-E-C-E. Meaning, for those of you who, I'm sure you're all getting this. So it's like, you know, your gun, your peace. Your peace. As opposed to your... um. Om peace. Your om peace. Your your peace in your heart. Om peace. That's not the peace we're talking about on site. We're talking about that kind of peace. We're talking about that kind of peace. And I was just about to say, I think even our titles are like all these funny play on words. Speak Now uh, was my very first episode of Psych because of how we shot the order that year. So even though we aired... Spelling Bee second, we actually shot it um, third. And Which means it's the first time I got to work with my dear friend Maggie Lawson. I got to be and that's when I met Maggie you. Lawson outside. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was like kind of um, I was I was a little intimidated by you at first because I thought you were so good. Like we'd done the <laughs> rehearsal and you were like, you were so good and so like like serious detective. And I felt like I was like dressing up in my dad's suits. Like what who saw me as a detective for this part? And which is funny because that's kind of our characters anyway. Um, but that day in the church. The day in the church when we went to do our scene, when James is about to do his big breakdown, and we kind of hang out in the back of this church, and we have a couple of lines that we exchange, and we'd rehearsed it, and we'd met at that point. We'd had, like, a dinner and, like, some social stuff, and I think you had come to set, you said, one day uh, when I was shooting something with James. Yeah. And I was in – I appeared in the diner scene, (laughs) the scene where – Juliet and, and uh, Sean first with meet and have their first flirtation in the diner. Yes, but that airs in Spelling Bee. And so... See, so I, the, I can't even keep The first time we meet... No, that's when our characters... That's when we you connect us together, right? Is in Spelling yeah, Bee in that scene. Actually, no, we, we, our characters don't even connect it. It's like, I just happen to be on scene that day. Yeah. Lasseter comes in at the very end to arrest the guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... But in, more importantly... More importantly, what? The first time that Lasseter and O'Hara actually get to work together, the kernel of that amazing relationship that comes out for these two characters. Began in Speak Now. So Speak Now is actually my first episode. My first episode of the series. And it was, I believe, the first day of shooting this, this episode back. The first scene of the first day was uh, when we met. Was it really? Yes, Tim, you know this. I mean, I obviously know the day we met, but I'm trying to believe it was the, I don't know that it was the first scene of the first day, but all. It was. It was the first, I was like, wait, why are we doing the first scene on the first day of shooting this episode back? Because it was all the church stuff, you know, when Sean has his big breakdown and it was toward the end. It's right when we, 
come into the back of the church at one point and the way they had set it up was like we come in we have like a little exchange it was a really quick pop-off and it was like the the first scene we did uh back and I remember meeting you well we had met at a dinner I guess we had met at a dinner I think like earlier that week and everyone was talking about how great they were like, he's so good. He's so perfect as Lassiter. And I'm like, but oh. Lassiter's mean. <laughs> I mean, we can both tell this story, but I remember that I think probably the first thing you said to me ever, which was, what are you going to do before we rehearse the, as we rehearse the scene? Yeah, we're about to walk in the door to the back of the chapel. Yeah. We're about to walk in the door. You looked at me and you were like, what are you gonna do? And I was like, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Hmm? And you were like, uh, are you gonna act the shit out of it? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna act the shit out of it. What are you gonna do? And you're like, gonna act the shit out of it. Yeah, act the shit out of it. <laughs> and then we were off and running for eight years. For those uh, who were not on set with us, for eight years and all the years after that, and all the movies. Almost before every, pretty much every one of our scenes, our camera operator, Marco Ciccone. Marco Ciccone. We go, hey, Tim, what are you going to do? Like, I'm going to act the shit out of it. And then Ariel said to you. And then we would uh, proceed to then act the shit out of her. 120 episodes worth of shit act- shitting acting. We still, <laughs> shitting acting. We still say that to each other. Yes, we do. All the time. Well, just like this. It's like, Tim, what are you going to do? Are you going to pod- shit out of it? Are you going to podcast the shit out of it? You know, Maggie, I'm going to podcast <laughs> the shit out of it. Was it sure it's going to be this episode? I'm going to, uh, I'm really going to podcast, podcast the shit out of it. Yeah, we're both podcasting the shit out of it. Um, I feel like Speak Now was so, so many magical things happened. And also I feel like when I think about, I think James said it uh you know, in his pod as well, like all of the things that had to happen, all the factors every, in our lives that brought us kind of to that moment. Um, it's kind of insane when you think about it. It's like the lightning strike, even though it wasn't a lightning strike. I mean, Steve found all of us and put us all together. Um, do, should we do a little breakdown of what happens in Speak Now? Oh, Mrs. Pickles, that is one of my favorite bits of all time. Okay. Is that the first time Mrs. Pickles comes out? That's the first. No, actually, Mrs. Pickles isn't Mrs. Pickles mentioned in the pilot. I think Mrs. Pickles is mentioned in the pilot. Uh, I feel like I I connected that. And we've mentioned Mrs. Pickles. Um, No, I think this is the first time Mrs. Pickles. Sorry, guys. Follow me on this. But... Because Mrs. Pickles makes another appearance in Scary Sherry, right? Do they go and go go into Lady's door and come yes. out crying and as the subterfuge to get in the house? Right. I can't remember which episode it was. We called uh, that one was Scary Sherry, but this one is when he he has to fake a call from work because his cat is sick. It's Mrs. Pickles. Anyway, so um, that's a fun little trivia. Mrs. Pickles appears in multiple episodes, season one. Um, not the actual Mrs. Pickles, but uh, by name. Um, wait, I want to hear, Tim, tell me all about your, I mean, I've probably heard it a million times, but your process in uh, becoming Lassiter and your auditioning and your casting. I know we talked a little about it with Steve, but I want the, everybody uh, the to tell their story. The process for me becoming Lassiter is, honestly, it's one thing. It's, it's uh, putting on the shoulder holster. That's it. That's all. That's it. And then boom, I put the shoulder holster on and you're last I'm last year. There was talk early on in the episodes of like, are we, cause the shoulder holster, um, make kind of the, the gun kind of made my, my suits go bulge out on the side and look a little wonky. Mm-hmm. And one of our producers one day was like, maybe we don't use the, use the gun. I'm like, no, 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 no. We always have the gun. Last year always has his gun on him. That's like, this, that's like the icing on the cake for you. You get dressed, you come yeah, in, you do I, your thing. But once you put that holster on, you're like, okay, I'm him now. Because I'm not that good of an actress, so I need to be like, that's my one talisman. It's like, I need that shoulder holster. I get it. And this shit else. I guess, I guess for me and Juliet, that would have been heels because I, I, I mean, that feels like such a silly thing. Or maybe my badge. No, I didn't even have my badge. I was the first to be like, 
<laughs> unsightly bulge in my suit. No thanks. <laughs> I'll only wear a, a a gun and a holster when I absolutely have to. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite gags on set was I was like, "Hey Maggie, was your gun? Because you never had it." <laughs> Never. Yeah, in my purse. And yet it would like just magically appear in scenes where I needed it. Uh, yeah, I, th- I sometimes would just make it. I would just sort of hold my hand behind my back and then I would be like, oh, look, I had my gun there the whole time. But I didn't. I remember we were instantly so at ease with each other. Like, and it was funny because I remember thinking after a little while, like when I read for Juliet, all of my test scenes, all of my scenes um, were with James. But, you know, that became like sort of a will they or won't they thing for a very long time. And I remember I was like, man, all of my scenes are with you. I'm surprised, actually, that I didn't have to like test with you. I think that's what I was so nervous about in the beginning was like, oh, man, this relationship really has to work. And no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, we had every scene. Yeah. Well, I think what it was, Max, was um, I think they didn't realize that necessarily. It wasn't apparent on the page. Right. Until the magic of you and I together on that uh, O'Hara Lassiter relationship suddenly just popped, I think, off off the screen. Yeah. So I think in writing it, they wouldn't necessarily go. It, you're right. Oh, yeah. In the no, script, it, it didn't seem that way. Really kind of hit, and then it, then it just snowballed into a, that amazing magic. relationship we had. Let's do an episode description just because we do have okay, to talk about it. Speak Now. Let's do it. Okay. When Sean and Gus crash a wedding, In an attempt to uh, retrieve an antique wedding ring stolen from a secure vault, they discover that it is not only a theft that they're investigating. Uh, I actually thought this episode was uh, super funny. I remember when James did his psychic breakdown. So because it was my first episode, I wasn't on the pilot, and I didn't get to see sort of what he does or how he works or whatever. And I remember because he was, he's you know, it was very quiet. He was like, the first couple of days he had so much to do because we had to do all that church stuff where he like has the the breakdown and like whatever, um, that he was like really, really quiet and really reserved, like really thinking. You could see him like working all this stuff out. And then he goes to do it and it's like, it's like a choreographed dance and it's flawless. Like and pages of dialogue, pages and pages of dialogue. And people don't know this, but in our early scripts, um, actually, I think most in most scripts, all it would say, because everyone just trusted James so much, uh, was Sean has a psychic episode. And the rest of it came from Rodet. Like he just he would turn it into whatever it was as he was breaking it down, which is like usually two to three to four to five pages of 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 dialogue or at least like him just speaking breaking down an entire thing and then having to like do these theatrical like i said like choreographed elaborate dances or acting out the characters that are involved in the crime like the people involved in the crime whatever um it was i remember being completely blown away i remember us standing outside the, the chapel about to go in before i said the famous what are you gonna do maggie and he, him, like, looking at his sides and just going, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I don't have this. Yes. And this is when I realized, like, he's, he's a photograph, almost like a photographic memory. Yeah, and he could glance at the it back once. Of that And watching him deliver this, what felt like a 45-minute-long monologue. Unbelievable. And, and, and thank God for the breakdowns, because I never understood the episode. <laughs> I remember. Like, you know, we we would often, like, text each other and, like, first be the site. Do you like, know what happens? Who did it? What happened? You understand this? Oh my god. The writers are gonna hate us for saying that. But yes, we I did. I remember being like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. This yeah, all we, makes we sense. We watched the breakdowns now. and be like, Oh, that's what happened, thank God. Which is now actually very much like our characters, because I feel like we were always the ones being like, Okay, let's get all the facts and let's figure it out and we're gonna know our lines and whatever. We're like they're like, you know, breaking it down, whatever. Psychically they have all the answers. So by the end of the episode we we actually did learn from them what happened or learn from James what happened. So Tim. Uh, tell me when you first read for Lassiter, well, we talked to Steve and Steve had mentioned like from the time you came into the room, it was yours. Like there was nobody else. I paid Steve a lot of money to stay down the last time. (laughs) You guys, gaps in the diet should not be ignored. 
Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting enough their daily recommended intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. Someone had to do it. Glad it wasn't me. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. In normal, less science terms, that means it's good and it works. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something that we're taking every day. Personally, I love that this multivitamin was female-founded, plus all of the ingredients are traceable, so I know what I'm putting in my body. Right now, Ritual is offering listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash pineapple and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash pineapple. You guys, multivitamin the shit out of it. So you still had to test, right? You tested with Rodé? Uh, I did test with Rodé. And, um, so I think I, uh, I mean, I told the story before, but I'll start again. So um, for those of you who don't know, the test is always a oh. super, super duper high pressure situation where you're going and you're reading for all the executives and network people to see whether you get the, like, it's your final audition. And um, I go through a day and um, well, I didn't realize this at the time because I just, it was the first time I ever met him. He likes to go off script, shall we say, and improvise. He's <laughs> improvising in the room. And, and I, you know, I was like almost totally lost. And I wanted to kill him. Because he was improvising and in the middle of your life. audition, yeah, yeah, yeah. My test, and I was like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> so I, I finish my scene. I go outside, and they they like wait for ten minutes. And Steve comes out, and there's like after the to give me a note for the next for to go back and read again. He's like, "Okay, here's the note. We're not sure that you're tough enough to handle Roday or to handle this character. So can you like beef it up a little bit? Maybe they wanted a little more last or anger." Uh huh. Which is so funny which to me because I feel like plays in this episode. So, um, mm, yeah. So he's like, can you maybe um, be a little harsher with him? I'm like, oh, just watch this. But I went to the room and I wanted to, like, I wanted to paint him against the wall. I was so angry at him. So what started to be this huge thing where I wanted to kill him ended up being an, an amazing gift in that because I was so charged and pissed off. <laughs> that, just, that, laughter, that angry laughter came out naturally. That's awesome. And I got the job. And um, 120 episodes later and uh, three movies, four three now. Three movies, three of ten. Three of six? Three I don't know ten. what it is. What are we saying now? It's three of six. Three, three of six. I'm going to say three of ten. Um, like and you ten. did the pilot, so you have. Uh, I just be. I don't have that experience, but I want to know what happened. So, how long? Do you remember how long you had to wait from shooting the pilot to like how long did was it until you found out it got picked up and that it was going to a series? Yeah. I do remember that. I do remember that um, I got the call from Steve very quickly that I got the job. I was driving, which normally you have to, sometimes you have to like wait days. In this case, it was maybe 20 minutes. Oh my God. I, remember it was on, I was like on Hillhurst and I got this call. So I pulled over because I don't, don't use your phone and drive at the same time. Safety first, over, this, kids. Safety first. Safety never takes a holiday. Safety never takes Richard a holiday. Coleman. Richard Coleman. We so love you, Richard. lovely call from Steve saying, you know, you're the guy and this is going to be super fun. And, um, Steve going, you know, just so you know, this can be a really family show and like a family atmosphere. And he's like, I'm not Hollywood. I don't live in Hollywood. I'm not a Hollywood guy, which could not be closer to the truth. Oh, yeah. Because Steve is like just one of the most grounded, sweetest men you'd ever hope to meet. Yep. I think the next thing I know, I was on a plane to Vancouver. For people who don't know the process, like a pilot, well, depending, this was USA. So uh, it's, a, it's a little different than with network. With network, usually... You know, you shoot a pilot in what they call like pilot season, which is like, you know, February to April. And then in May, there are these big announcements on uh, like what shows are getting picked up. And so usually the wait time is only like a month or so um, to know if your show is going to get picked up. But um, yeah, that's why I was wondering if it was different then, because I know even with cable and stuff now, it can be longer from the time you actually shoot the pilot. I know some people saying yeah, it's like six months, a year. Yeah. And then, um, 
it all happens really quick though after that like right like i feel like it's like okay here you i feel like we um i think i auditioned in in august which was weird because it's kind of it wasn't pilot season Mm -hmm. it was a weird time i think it was and then uh i know we were up there in the fall because it was snow on the ground during some scenes for the pilot oh that's right my my career was at a time when when i tested for psych i had not tested for a job in like eight years like i just never was i was never successful testing really this was the first yeah i just it was i was always like i'd come in i'm on come on for like one episode or something and it would turn into like yeah. i'd become like a major current character that was always kind of my, my mo was always sort of like sliding into this or popping into the side door yeah i just yeah. I always felt like i'm never gonna get a job through test because it was just one of those things where like they're always going for like i don't know younger beef you're good looking dudes <laughs> damn. No, no, damn you're the handsomest you're the handsomest See, I, of all I the totally handsomes <laughs> i really do and i'm saying it for friends. free so take that, Steve <laughs> Franks. Anyway, we'll have dinner anyway. Um, okay, so so you were saying you you never felt like you had a lot of success um, in the testing process. It was I mean, more I like you slide in. You didn't. Like, right. if you're, I was not getting jobs through tests ever. Right. Fascinating. You're so good. Like I can't. I, that's yeah. I like I. That's fascinating. Um, so after we after you found out uh, it was getting picked up, uh, which I, and I love telling. So you move. Didn't the first season uh, your whole family come up? Didn't you all get a house? And I mean, yeah, Lily we and Nora were kid, so young. Yeah, my kids were. Um, uh, well, I mean, Nora was in preschool in yeah. Vancouver. When we, so we, um, yeah, the, my whole family came up. My wife, Allison, and my daughters, Lily and Nora, and. Um, we were like, I, I'd gone up like a week before to try and figure out where we we're going to live. And I couldn't find a place to live. So I just drove around this one neighborhood called Kitts Point, which is this really beautiful area. And I thought, maybe I'll just get, I'm just going to go to where I want to live and see if I can find a place. And I turned this one corner. Remember that? You remember that house I was living in? I do. It was downstairs. Or like you downstairs guys were like, the lower level. It was, yeah, like yeah. A, it was like a basement apartment of this beautiful old craftsman. That's yeah. some railroad baron built. It was so beautiful. And um, right across from the dog beach. And so I drove this area where um, I thought maybe I'll get lucky. And I literally turned a corner and saw a sign for rent. I was like, oh, that's it. And I looked around. And it was this area right, right next to Kids Beach, which is parks and beach and lovely. And so or we had two small kids. And sometimes we work all the time. So I was like, where can I go where Allison could just like take the kids outside and play and not be stuck trying to figure out what to do? So we, I just locked in this spot that um, Maggie came to visit us many times. Yes, I, I remember that, it. Just coming through my kitchen window. Oh, I remember that picture too. Oh, good. My God. Wait, were you all there a couple seasons? No, we or was were there that just one? one just for season one? Okay. Oh, I remember that I my dog, so Betty, with me. well. Little Betty. Betty. Was there. Wait, Betty and Sally, right? I don't remember Sally came with us that, that oh, okay. season. Oh, okay. But, we um, all know each other's dogs. It became, we are a very, very dog friendly set. And they were almost like the extended family characters. I mean, Tristan was, yeah, she was, she was at set with me. Oh yeah. And, and Betty came with you to set. Um, Tristan would come with me. I had a big, I had the, why she wasn't that, she was actually a little bulldog for bulldogs, but she would come to set and Dan Miller, who at the time was our third AD. I mean, he became family to us. Uh, even over that first season, I remember there were so many times I was working on set. He had to come check on Tristan for me and take care of Tristan for me uh, when she was in my trailer. And uh, Dan Miller ended up from season one to season eight of Psych working his way into First AD. He is now one of the most sought after First ADs in Vancouver. But, uh, and one of the greatest, greatest people. Um, Love Dan uh, Miller. Hi, Dano. Hi, Dan Miller. We'll talk more we about Dan over. We'll let's have we'll have Dan on the podcast. We have to have Dan on the podcast. Oh, we have to. Dan, oh my gosh, we should get him. Actually, we we have to get Dan Miller for season one because he can tell the stories. Dan Miller, I think, turned twenty one during. I remember very well his twenty yeah. <laughs> first birthday was completely nuts. Um, I do believe he had two 40 ounce bottles of beer taped to his hands. 
Uh, remember that? <laughs> I remember walking <laughs> in the morning and I was like, hey, guys. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. That's how amazing Dan Miller is. He's, he's the most fun and so wonderful and so loving. He took care of all of us, took care of our animals and everything. Um, yeah, so you had Betty. So your whole family was up. We still managed, I feel like, to all party a lot uh, for a season, even um, – as much as we were working and with families there. That, we all learned about each other, I feel like, very quickly. We all immediately like each other and want to hang out. All the time. Which is such a rare, rare thing on a show like I this. mean, it was like lightning striking. That's what I always, I always say that, and then I think it wasn't the, I mean, Steve, one of the things he said in the interview um, was that he had like a no a-hole policy. So he was like, he, I really do, with what you just said about him, Tim, being, like, the nicest, sweetest, you know, he was such a, like, a big, he is, like, a big kid in a lot of ways. So his, like, joy and his excitement is so infectious. And he, he like, selected all of us. And we, like, got to Vancouver. And I remember it was this, like, immediate. I think the first dinner we all had together was just, like, oh, okay. We're, uh, this is, yeah, we're going to be hopefully locked in for a while. But I do believe at the time the only person who had ever had a second season of a show was Dulay. That makes sense. Which is yeah, why. I, I, I hadn't at that point. No, I hadn't either. Uh, no, we were lightning. That cast was lightning in a bottle. From the very beginning. It felt, it was, as you said, it's so rare. Um, and I often like talk about it like. I think a lot of times when you have something so special like that happen, you years later you think back like, oh man, I wish we knew how good we had it at the time. But we did. I feel like we abs we didn't take I feel like we didn't take any of it for granted. I feel like we made the most, even if we had guest stars or people coming up, we like we wanted to take them out and invite them into the family and have like such a good time. It just it was so immediate. It was uh Eight seasons is not a bad word between any of us that I ever saw. No, like in the complete opposite. I love the smells of the season. Thanks to Native's new seasonal scents, my favorites are with me wherever I go. Yes, I'm talking about their deodorant. Native deodorant is formulated with ingredients you have actually heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. Native deodorant never uses aluminum, parabens, or sulfates, but still keeps you smelling amazingly fresh all day long. With classics and rotating seasonals, Native has a deodorant scent for everyone, including their new holiday-inspired collection. Tis the season for yummy-smelling armpits. Native offers three new delectable new scents, candy cane, sugar cookie, and fresh mistletoe. Native is not just good for you, it's good for the planet. They have a deodorant made of 100% paperboard packaging. They are vegan, and they never test on animals. I'm not alone in loving Native. They have over 15,000 five-star reviews, and I know you're going to love them too. Personally, I like the mistletoe flavor because, uh, or I should say mistletoe scent, um, because uh, who doesn't love a little mistletoe? And also, uh, I like it when I can understand what the ingredients are and also very close to my heart that they do not test on animals. I absolutely love this. Keep the sense of the season with you with Native's limited time holiday scented deodorants. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use code pineapple to get 20% off your first purchase at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, code pineapple for 20% off. Nativedeodorant.com, code pineapple. Oh my gosh, I'm just remembering. What didn't somebody say call me a show killer in a in a uh, <laughs> in a in a in an article member? It was like Maggie Lawson at that point, like I th okay, so coming into Psych, I had done a couple of series that like one I think went 13 episodes and was done, and then another one had gone 13 episodes and was done, and I found out it had just been canceled, and I was devastated. And also, you know, at that point where you're like, ah, like you almost feel like you're getting like tagged with something like a uh you know do not hire or she's bad luck or i don't know show killer show killer i'm gonna find that i'm gonna now go google maggie lawson psych show no killer. it really was no, somebody I'm gonna, I'm gonna find that journalist and uh destroy them this is like 2000 and five by the way or six it was like it it was like because this is before social media so it had to be an article 
or something, unless it was like MySpace at that time. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, and not only was I down, I was like super embarrassed. And I remember like just in general, and I think there were like some auditions and things that were happening, but, and I remember going to a party with my boyfriend at the time and I saw this like executive, um, I believe she's still at Fox, love her. She's like, how are you? What's happening? Sorry to hear about the show. Da, 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 da. And I was like, my little 25 year old self, I just said, you know, what, what can I do? I feel like I had actually stopped killing shows. Yeah. I was like, I'm going out for some stuff right now. I had been out on a few things and I remember like just not feeling good. And then I felt like I was just off my game and, and she looked at me and she was like, can I be totally honest with you? And I was like, yeah, she's like, don't do another half hour right now. Like, just don't, you've done a lot, do something else. And I, I was kind of like gutted because I love doing half hour comedy, but I was also a little bit like, shit, will anybody even see me for that? Like I had been, I felt like I had been so put in a category at that point of like, which, in a category I liked, but at the same time, so I, I've, I, when I got the script for Psych, um, while funny, it was a more serious role. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, if I could be a part of the, like I read this magical script and I was like, this, will they, they're not even going to see me for this. Like I can't even imagine. Um, And at this point it had been picked up. So that was the other like kind of bonus with it was like, oh, this is a show that's already on the air. I'm like, they're going to hire some serious detective girl for this, you know? The the crazy thing about you being unsure or um, less than, Super, superly confident about this mm. is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, viewers, darling viewers, when Maggie Lawson appeared on our set and came to our group, it was like, oh, this is the missing piece of the puzzle we've been waiting for. That is so like, she, sweet. No, like, literally, the heavens opened up and the, and the rays of sunshine hit us. And, like, no, your energy was just so needed on our, um, Oh, for our show, and really, no, it really, it, it was what we all, it was what our show needed, and it just like our cast is kind of glued together. We were, we still are. Um, exactly, it, it's just it really blows my mind. I mean, yeah. I've been part of a lot of shows, luckily Knockwood, and um, to have a group that is this genuinely tight and and loves each other so much is so rare. I mean, there's always like like, oh yeah, my show's my family. No, this show, this group is we are chosen family that's how i feel i feel what you just did where you were like you know everybody says their show's a family i I always have to i feel like i always have to throw that disclaimer out like like no 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 i don't think you get it we're not like oh yeah we're a family because that's what you know we get along and that's what we need to say and we want people to watch our show no no we're a family um we are like it is an unbreakable bond that i i feel like we knew was there even in the beginning. This isn't something that like, I feel like just over time we've been like, wow, you know, we've really developed these friendships. No, it was like day one. I remember the first time I read with James. So I got the script for psych, but they were like, Oh, but this isn't your character. I remember that. And so I was like, but it's a serious detective. And you know, which is why I was kind of like, they're never going to see me for this. And then I got to the point of reading with James and the, and the scenes were different. Uh, Steve wrote Juliet scenes. The scenes. Yeah, they were the scenes just for the Juliet. Juliet, just yeah. for audition, right? And I remember reading with James, and it was like, oh, gosh, I would be so lucky to be able to work with somebody like this. Like, he went off book a little like he did with you, which I kind of liked and I hung in with. But at the same time, I was also like, <gasps> um, you know. Uh, the scenes were. I'm 25. I know. I'm 25. What do I do? Do I do I go with him or do I read what's on the page? Because I've been told I should read what's on the page. You know, we're told that right. most of the time. Like, but uh, I think now it's a little a little easier. But um, and the scenes were so cute. It was the diner scene, and of course James didn't use the voice he used in the show, but he used a version of it, um, which obviously made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, and I remember. Yeah. 
when I walked out, it was like me and I think one other person at this point, at like the testing point, which as you've explained and we've explained in all of these, like how nerve wracking that experience is. And I still every step of the way couldn't believe. I'm like, this is a joke, right? Like I'm literally being brought in to be the like the options so that they have someone they can say no to because they always want options at the network. I'm like, I must be the... Huh? Yeah, exactly. So I, I had, I had already decided I was the option girl, which is why I was sort of like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not even going to put too much into this. But then by that point, I was like, oh my gosh, I really now I, I between Steve and James and this whole feeling. And then as I walked out, James gave me the biggest hug. He was so sweet, and I was like, well, shit, this was the greatest test experience I've ever had. Too bad I'm not going to get to do it. <laughs> And then I think, and it took days because they had to get a hold of, like, I got word that, like, I had been approved by some people, but it, uh, I think at the time it was Bonnie Hammer was, like, traveling or something, and she has to be the last person to sign off on it. So I had, it was one of those, like, agonizing few days, like, wait situations, and then. Which just bugs my mind. They didn't make it, like, I can't believe they didn't hire you in the room. Uh, they couldn't because, you know, it was a different test. It wasn't like everyone from USA was in there. It was like um, they filmed it, I remember, and then there were several people. But it wasn't like the whole so – there was something going on. I can't remember. It must have been like a holiday or something, and they couldn't get everybody in the room. So they had to watch the tapes, as they say. I don't even think I was totally conscious of it at the time, but this sort of feeling of like between trying to make a different decision career-wise and being told to – make a different decision, this thing coming along, it being in Vancouver, and just life in general at the time was very up in the air and confusing and wild. Um, so our um, our Vancouver, L.A. flights probably didn't start until season two or three, so we'll get to those right, yeah. stories. Tim and I used to have uh, – Tim, because he's the best, greatest – father husband like he would fly home if it was I mean he would bust it to try to make the last flight on a Friday if we had um if he if we had to work Friday and Monday but often you know we didn't have the schedules James and Dulé had so we we would get lucky to have a Friday or Monday off and I think you even told them at one point like please you know um if you know were they were great with the schedule like please let me Get me at it. Be with my family. Said as quick as I can so I can make this flight or that flight or the morning flight. Right. Um, And then uh, same for like if I can get a Monday out so I can fly up late on a Sunday. I loved it. I remember you used to be like, which we should save these stories for like later in the seasons too when they were happening. But I remember we would like, we'd take a flight. We'd have like a Bloody Mary on the plane. I hope. I hope Allison, I'm sorry. Breakfast cocktails on a 6 a.m. flight. We would fly back to L.A. And I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to land and go <laughs> go take a nap and sleep the rest of the day before I see my friends tonight. And you'd be like, I have to go to a kid's birthday party the second we land. I had. I don't know how you did any of it. You were amazing. Um, uh, caffeine and bourbon, I would say, was probably how I did it. Yeah, that it was a good cocktail for you. I used to think that I'd be like, oh my God, I'd just be waking up from a nap and be like, wow, Tim's been at a birthday party, kids' birthday party for the last four hours. <laughs> He's amazing. That poor son of a bitch. Um, okay, so I'm sort of going back now to like uh, speak now to try to keep some, uh, but all I want to do is tell fun stories. Okay, hang on. Um, so let me, before you talk about, so again, talk about our first, our first thing. And then even the, when we were in the, this last movie back in June, Way back in June, which was like so long ago. Way back then. We're driving, we're driving down the street, and I was like, oh, there's the church. So I took a picture of the church where we first did our first scene and sent it to you. Yeah, that was a. I have, I have this amazing photo of you, a little video in the church, and we were waiting to go into that scene. So I, I keep trying to send you, but, but my, the sound doesn't work. To, the sound doesn't work. It so was back when we had like blackberries and palm trios, like back when there's, you could there's first. Like, there's an old Nokia um, flip phone. Yeah, Which, by the way, Maggie Lawson is the reason actually ever first got a smartphone. Am I? Wait, what did I? What, yeah, did, you know, because you were never great on the phone because you had, um, I always said you had um, commitment issues where you can't commit to a phone call, so you're always, you're always texting. <laughs> but I don't know, Kayla was like, I was, I was an early uh, decline call person. <laughs> yes. Anyway, kids, go on. Back in the day, you guys were like, <laughs> there were phones, we had to flip them open, 
And then to, to make a letter, you had to click like 17 times. So it took me 25 minutes to text like the most simple thing about where are we having dinner? Yes. Yeah. And finally, as soon as smartphones come out, like I need a smartphone or I think I, actually, I think I saw the Blackberry. Yeah. Well, you did because it was the only way I was going to communicate with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got it for me. Thank you. You're right. So yeah, that, yeah, so that, that, that amazing group of people we had. And then um, after the pilot, a little ray of sunshine showed up to our show named Margaret Cassidy Lawson. <laughs> and we were all like, oh, this was the missing piece of the puzzle we needed. So I really feel like you were a big, um, you solidified yeah. that group. Oh, it's really true. That's so sweet. It's so funny because I look back, uh, even just rewatching Speak Now. Let's just talk about my hair. <laughs> For a second. The tendrils? My, my tendrils. So, the tendrils came later, I thought. <laughs> no, I like tendrils, the tendrils were, were, like we could... were season one. They were all season one. Uh, so I don't know. These, um, these uh, sort of curled Laura Ingalls tendrils. That Laura was Ingalls. <laughs> I remember. I look back now and I'm like, I said, okay, when someone said, is this the hair we're going to go with for this scene? You know, it was so sure. early. I didn't want to be like, team player. I was a team player. I didn't want to be uh, difficult, but uh, I I look at it now. couple things. One, <laughs> uh, the tendrils. Um, I, I don't know detective-wise wh- what, what we were thinking there, but that's okay. My hair was down, which I think I did request, but... Um, I feel like I look like I'm dressed up like in my dad's like oversized suits most of season one. I well, so the it's weren't quite as sorry, tailored. Yeah. They weren't quite as and, tailored. I don't know if we had the budget yet for like you know we were a new show. We were a cable show. We were. I also feel like some of the episodes. I I just I it's I feel like I I look like the baby faced the babyest baby-faced <laughs> detective. <laughs> so, but it worked. I'm happy. I'm so happy, obviously. It's um, funny because well, O'Hara was always the sweet yeah, one in the department, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, your character is also kind of how you were feeling. Like, no one took you as serious at first because you were, like, the new young character. And I remember even in this episode, like, Sean reads your palm, and he's like, you don't feel respected here. Oh, that's right. That's right. We have, like, a very intimate little scene in the cafe scene. That's right. I remember that. I feel like we had good chemistry. Like, I remember when we did the test, I was, I remember feeling like we had this sort of natural chemistry, which obviously played out in a lot of ways um, over the years. (laughs) But I think that that was the first time you and I were ever actually on set together was that cafe scene. As, really? As, as I rest, yeah, because you Isn't were there. Isn't it funny how we remember things? Yeah, and you saw me with James. Yeah, but um, but the first time we ever, you and I were ever acting in a scene together was definitely the church. Now in the like the church, yeah. Okay, that's so funny. I remember that as the as day one beginning of everything was, and so in my head, I I it feels like it was my very first day of shooting when I had that scene with you. So the scene in the cafe. I remember, were we at River Rock? Where were we? Uh, speak Now was River Rock, 100%. Yeah, which was which a, is casino a casino in the Vancouver area. Which, um, <laughs> which one we, we also <laughs> discovered we have in common. Actually, no, you introduced me to slot machines, Tim. Did I? Sorry about that. Tim is very lucky at the slot machines. Uh, he is, I don't really know what the strategy is, because I don't really think you need one for a slot machine, no, but you have just, one. It's just, it's just pure dumb luck. But you're but, um, amazing. You would you always win. And then I somewhere. started playing, and I was like, "Oh, I I love slot machines." I was in um. I, I was think I was flying through. I was in Vegas recently for something. I can't remember what it was, but I passed a I'm Sex in the City slot machine. I really wanted to stop and take a picture, but I didn't. Have time. <laughs> oh, all my favorite things: slot. Vegas <laughs> slot machine and Sex in the City. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Put a glass so of champagne We ended up shooting a lot of episodes at casinos for some reason on this show. We did. There was another one. I remember I won some money at that one uh, that was like way out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. There was the one in downtown. Oh, that really yeah. kind of. The Edgewater. The Edgewater. That's right. Oh, we spent a lot of time there. We played poker a lot actually first season. 
Did you play as poker a, um, as a as a cast, poker. like as a group? We as had like cast, and yeah. then, and we played with that show. Um, Elizabeth Reeser was on it. Michael McMillan was on it. What was the name of that show? Was it, oh, they were what was it? Um, EMTs. Yeah, were um, yeah. Was it Save Me? Save Me. That's right. And and we had wow. that was incredible. Oh, that's a really good memory, Tim. Uh, there was another cast too. I feel like people would come through and we'd have like. I think Rosenbaum, while they were wrapping up Smallville, I think we had like a little overlap with him our first season. Yeah. Michael Rosenbaum. I, mean, I, yeah. saw, I always saw Rosie around the hotel. And I, I don't remember playing poker with him. But yeah, we, we played we poker, play poker as a cast. And um, yeah. we, had, we had an all-in song. Once it was going to go all-in. Yes. Once it was like, we were playing poker. And it was like, okay, I'm going all-in. Then we'd all just go buckets too. I can't, I can't sing anymore. It's like, all-in, all-in, all-in. All I made t-shirts for us one year. That was right. I remember Dulé came up with that song. Remember we used to play at that hotel, the Opus Hotel. This might be really boring. This is just so fun for us. <laughs> I'm like, I hope anybody listening is is getting anything from this. But uh, yeah, we played at the Opus Hotel. I remember that. I had my 26th birthday party uh, during uh, season one. Um, I remember... We had so many birthday parties up there. Oh my gosh. We had, well, it had eight years. Yeah. And um, um, 26th, Jesus. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, we have my 26th birthday up there. Uh, yeah, we sleep played up poker together. And then, uh, in fact, when we were at River Rock, I believe remember the boys would go play poker like for real because they're actually real poker players. That's right. They went up to I the poker not, room. So like, yeah, and I'm like, I'm just going to play slot machines with the, with the old grandmas. I was the same. I was like, I'm too intimidated by the poker room upstairs where I'm not going to go up there. I, I, no, I, I can never play with those guys. Um, Christine Shatlin, who plays the the bad guy, who plays the maid of honor, um, actually, I a- ended up doing a, a Hallmark movie that she was in, and we were we were reliving uh, psych stories, um, just because you know we the, I think first season we had a lot of like local Vancouver actors. Um, I think we even had some that came back. I know one in particular we had come back like three times to play multiple. You know Alex Ponovic, that kind of. Uh, He's kind of a big guy. He was like a security guard in one episode yeah. and then a bartender yeah, in another episode. Yeah. I'm surprised we never had Christine again, but I guess because she was a bad guy, she, you know, she was in jail. So she, she couldn't of course come back. Because the Lasseter put her away. Lasseter put her away. And Jules. Of course. I yes. beg your pardon. Yeah. Lassie and Jules. Um, I remember the dumb waiter bit. Uh, one of my favorite bloopers from the show is when we have that scene where I'm going over the, to the dumbwaiter to open it up and there's yeah. the dead guy inside. And because we're like running through and like clawing all <laughs> crawling all over each other. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. Sorry guys, if you haven't seen the show yet. Uh, and one of my favorite bloopers or psych outs is when you cradle James like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's like hitting all this stuff and he starts crying and you're like, Shh, sh- sh- it's okay. <laughs> We God, we had so much fun. I'd seen in the kitchen when I'm busting with Sean. Sean's having one of his psychic things. And Episodes. It's Laster trying to control him, and, he, and Sean's just, James is just hitting stuff off, yeah, off the my- kitchen to cook him on down. And it was one of the first many bits of Laster trying to manhandle Sean, which never worked <laughs> because the no. other day is so much bigger than me and so much stronger than me. One of my favorites is one of the pilot when you have him up against the, the door, the cop. Uh, the the yeah. car door and like you both like you keep trying to put him in you keep trying to put it oh it's so funny oh the car door was amazing oh my god it's so good at one point finally <clears throat> I would start to turn to James like dude help a brother out make me not look like I'm incredibly weak here can you just give me a little bit of something <laughs> like don't fight me so hard please because I'm looking like a fool and then yeah and then after that um, his psychic spaz out in the kitchen is when we did the I could have like a baby because I didn't know what the hell was going on. What else to do? Oh, it's one of the greatest moments. I feel like it's one of the greatest moments. Uh, greatest psych outs, greatest bloopers. We're going to, we'll put all this stuff in there. If we, and we'll have pictures too. We'll have to get the picture of uh, of me outside the window at your house as well. Um, Absolutely. Oh, man. It feels like, like yesterday. From, hmm. Hang on, the one from Kids. Psych 3 or. No, or oh, no, no, yeah. the one from Kits when uh, I'm out, I'm looking in the window from, uh, you know, I was like, like treating your window from the garden like a bar. Like I was like coming in to like get a, yeah, like, hey, give me a, maybe a cocktail. Um, and then Tristan jumped up on the garden wall and like 
came through my kitchen window. And you're at one point. I think you're oh behind him trying to grab. Right. Oh, our dogs. I did. That's right. I remember her coming in through the window there. She did whatever she wanted. She was, uh, oh my gosh, the sweetest, the sweetest in such a part. Oh, that year was so wild. I remember she didn't come up right away. I flew back to LA at one point to get her, um, to bring her back up. And I remember James and I, unbeknownst to the other one, had places in the same building, one floor apart. And I remember season one, we had dinner in Yale town at, was it Blue Water? What was the first dinner we had? It was something in Yale Town. And I don't think any of us, like, I think that is actually the first moment I, like, really met and had a conversation with you. James and I, I remember, sat next to each other. Uh, it was a really long table. Kelly Kolchak was there. Chris was there. Steve was there. Like, it was the whole group. And oh, that James... Wasn't, so that wasn't Boathouse and Kids? No. That was a different night. The first one I remember because I remember wa- I walked home because James was like, oh, I got this really cool apartment in this really cool building. It was a building called uh, the Crandall. And so remember season season one? I like I had a little loft down there. Um, I think I do remember that. Maybe you didn't come down or come over as often just because I think we ended up coming to Kitsmore. But uh, yeah, and James was like, oh, I got this great place. It's really cool. Um Yada, yada, yada. He's like, it's in Yaletown. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm in Yaletown. So we ended up walking back together. And I was like, well, here's my building. He's like, this is my building. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> we live in the same building. Yeah. No, the thing I love about doing this podcast is like, I get to see you hang out with you. Sort of. I know. And we get to tell all of our stories. Like, we get to go back. It's so fun because I feel like, I mean, we've just had so much life together, and sometimes it's almost like we're in the present, and or at least within the like, you know, near distant future or future. But to go back and really think about uh, what all had to happen for all of us to meet and this show, it almost feels like an understatement to call it our friendship. We really are family. You are my family. No, family. Yeah. Um, you know what Lily called you, right? I love Lily. Lily so Marvel is always it's always Auntie Maggie. Aww. Oh, now you we, really we are going to make me cry. We were going to that um that party, Dan and Kate's during Psych Three. Oh, I love, um, I love, I love, I love that she came to that. Yeah, Third Eighty. No, she said, "Is Auntie Maggie going to be there?" Oh. oh, she loves you. Lily is the best. It's so funny. I almost texted you yesterday to be like, "Her Instagram is my new favorite thing." Oh, that's amazing. I love her Instagram so much. I think she is so smart. She's so talented. Everyone should look, check out her art. Like, her art is unreal. There's something, I mean, no surprise, she's your daughter. <laughs> but I did tell her, I was like, look, I know you're going to college. There's going to be stuff you don't want to talk about with your dad and your mom. <laughs> so, you know, you know who to call. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to The Psychologists Are In, the Jules and Lassie episode. We are beyond excited to relive our favorite parts of Psych with you all, our favorite parts being all of them. Please feel free to follow or message us on Instagram at The Psychologists Are In or our Twitter at PsychologistPod. Also, you guys, we have merch. Go to cloud10.fm slash merch to check out all of our incredible new designs just for you or just look at the link in our Instagram bio. Oh, and while you're at it, follow us on TikTok as well at The Psychologists Are In. All right, we love you all. See you next week with our special guest, Corbin Bernson. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.